You're watching Leafs Morning Tape with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosehill. The show starts now. Ooh. Oh, we're so back. What's going on? The season two premiere of Leafs Morning Take, Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. And I love in the chat, just reading it right now. Ready to have our hearts broken again. What's going on, Rosie? How are you, buddy? Somebody said that already. Hey, ouch, ouch, ouch. We'll see. We will see. I'm happy to be back at her, though, buddy. How you been? Long off season or what? Yeah, it seems like it. It sure does. I mean, we're picking away, doing things here and there in the uh, in the background, but it's nice to get a uh, regular schedule down again and get rocking and rolling. Summer's definitely over, so I think people are ready for hockey. We're coming back bigger and better than ever, of course, here in season number two, presented by Botano. We're going 45 minutes long this year, which means one thing and one thing only. Longer Jay Rosehill rants. You made a name for yourself last year. It was your rookie campaign as a broadcaster. Yeah, sometimes if you feel passionate about something, you just got to let her go, don't you? Yeah, you got to let her fly sometimes at the Leafs Nation 401. So again, first and foremost, a big portion of this of this show is being interactive and conversing with you on YouTube. So don't be afraid to ever chime in. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up where you left off. We'll have that conversation as we move on in the show at the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe here on YouTube again. Available wherever you find your podcast. Just search Lease Morning Take. We'll pop up. We got some new graphics this season. We're cooking. We are absolutely cooking. And it was a long off season of discussions and conversations to go to 45 minutes. But I love that, Rosie. Yeah, it'll be good. Gets the freedom to, uh, you know, go off and explore some stuff. Go off topic a little bit. Dig into some stuff. Do a deep dive. Whatever it takes. It's uh, it's going to happen here this year, man. Corey writes in, good morning, guys, from Medicine Hat. What's going on, Corey? Sick do an intro, writes Mr. P-Mail Bacon, one of my favorites. Uh, I'm just so pumped to do this once again with you, Rosie. But off the top, there was something that happened this weekend where I'm like, I got to get in here in the season premiere on Monday and and break it down and dissect it with Jay Rosehill, a former professional athlete for the Philadelphia Flyers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Did you catch that celebration this weekend for the Toronto Blue Jays? And if you did... This is coming off back-to-back losses where they were thrown around a bit by the Tampa Bay Rays. They got into the postseason, then they partied like crazy. What did you make of that? I always find it weird with baseball, man, the way they go off for every single round. And then to see that, I mean, I'm not going to knock it and hate it because, I mean, what's wrong with partying? Let's have some fun. But it seems weird, man, to squeak into the playoffs and just eke through a mediocre season and then just dancing and popping bottles and champagne showers. It's just, it's a bit over the top. And I think almost everybody that looks at it thinks it's kind of funny. That's all anyone says is, how are they partying that hard and celebrating that much for basic mediocrity is what it comes down to. It's one thing for me to like celebrate on Saturday night, even after you lose that game, but Seattle loses. Go out with the team, have a good time on King West. I get that. But the the thing that ticked me off is like, you lose back-to-back games. You sort of backed your way into the postseason. I get it. It's really, really hard to make the postseason. But if it's under the old rules, the Jays don't make it. They had three fewer losses, uh, or three more losses, I should say, so, You know, from last season. It was a different story, like a very, very frustrating season. I just And who knows if it was the players who were like, let's do this, or maybe it was the corporation and Rodgers. But I, I just thought it was poor taste considering where this franchise has been the last couple of years. Like, imagine, look at this. Imagine the Leafs did this after clinching a playoff spot. Like, look at this celebration again, after back-to-back losses <laughs> and it's delayed. Like they, they knew Saturday night they were in. 
I know. And that's the thing, right? I imagine the Leafs did this. Like, imagine they just snuck into the wild card spot and partied like that. Like, they'd be crucified, right? I mean, uh, I'd like, like, does everybody do it? Like, going back through the years, does everyone party like that to sneak into the playoffs the way they're doing it? Or is it, was that a little more over the top? Okay, put it this way. So at the beginning, when this started becoming a thing, I would remember thoroughly like being a baseball fan my entire life now at 34, like the celebrations started being broadcasted maybe like, I want to say seven, eight years ago, where it's like, let's go to the room after they clinch a playoff spot or win a series. And at the beginning, I remember the Jays when they started being successful, making the postseason back in what, 14, 15, like that era of Blue Jays baseball they didn't have the ski goggles set up. And then somebody introduced that. Whereas I noticed yesterday, New Era, who is like a big baseball company, had their own goggles to the entire team, like every player on the team. So like, it just shows you the span of how long this has grown. And now it's become ridiculous. Like every time you win a playoff game, you're celebrating. So pretty much what would happen, whoever wins this, you know, this Blue Jays, Minnesota twin series would celebrate again and again. That's like winning the Stanley Cup like five different times. I think the whole point of a season is to get to that summit, that pinnacle to celebrate, no? Yeah, it's just a different vibe, man. Baseball is just that way. I mean, they it's more chill. It's less raw, raw. You're not screaming and yelling at the guys. I always thought like football's the worst for like, hustle your ass up, get over here. Ah, ah, ah. It's just so intense. You only get like 17 games a year and everything's just hyper, hyper, hyper. Uh, important at every time, at every second. They have to be like so on top of the guys. Then hockey's a little bit less that way, but certainly more so than baseball. And at the end of the line is baseball, where it's just you're playing every single day, hundreds of games. It's just a little bit more chill. And I guess they just don't take themselves quite that serious, I guess. I don't know. But it seems like the Jays are not the only ones to do it. Certainly seems over the top to celebrate that hard for not winning anything. You just eke into the playoffs and it's popping bottles. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And by the way, you know, the off season's over because your boy Donnie Dazish is the biggest troll of all time for least morning take back in the chat. He said, didn't the Leafs have a parade after the first round? Question mark. <laughs> I don't think they did, but they are pretty famous for building statues and then tearing them right down. You got to be honest, man. The, the Leafs beat Tampa. I was out on King Street West and there was a bit of a celebration not just with for me, but other people, other Leafs fans, like it, it was busy, busier than normal for the Leafs winning a playoff series. So we're, we're guilty. Well, rightfully so. I mean, they haven't been there in what it was a 19 years. It was a big win against kind of their rivals as of late and the back-to-back champs and they knocked them off. So I get it. I, uh, I like to recognize when you actually win something, but uh, just keep it in perspective there. Blue Jays, they seem to struggle with that. Yeah. So let's see a celebration like a month when you win the world series. Nonetheless, would you be that guy? Let's say you were on the Leafs way back when a decade ago and you won a playoff series. Would you be that guy? No tarp. Cause there's a couple guys who are celebrating no jurors. I, I think you would be that guy for sure. <laughs> I think I'm a little too bashful for that. I never saw it, but um, seems weird. Cameras all over the place. There's, there's women as reporters that are coming in there and guys are half naked and stuff. I don't know. Throw some clothes on. Doesn't hurt you, but uh, whatever. If you got your Jersey and it's soaked in champagne, I guess you got to peel her off. I guess so. And I was shocked Dalton Varsho, who seems like the most timid player on the field, was jurors off with the family, but good on him. Uh, it's been a grinding year for him. I won't lie, Rose, pretty optimistic following a successful weekend for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, 
I was probably the only one watching a back-to-back for the Leafs where they brought their D roster to Montreal. But I, I, I hope those guys sent it nonetheless. Like Montreal's got some of the best nightlife, not only in Canada, but in the world, in my opinion. I know that being somebody who is from Montreal, lived there for five years. I've partied there a billion times. So I hope they sent it at the very, very yeah, no, beginning. But like, I was really impressed. And I think it's more so with... You know, the plan of this team and where they're headed and, and the future. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the kids. I don't know if you saw, you saw this as well, but um, they're playing Montreal tonight for the third straight game. And it's pretty much the Leafs roster going. The only names I didn't notice, Yarncroke, Giordano, but they're, they're rolling like a full roster. Like, this is probably the first look at this Maple Leafs team we're going to get this season tonight. Yeah, and that's exciting. It seems like the more the further you go into the preseason, the more you start to round off with your big boys. I mean, you don't want to, you're not going to play seven games for, you know, your top guys or your older guys or the high minute guys. And you want to kind of get a look at everybody, but as it starts to come down to the the last few, you start to see the season share the, the roster shape up for the season. You can take a look at what it's going to look like. This is the first time I think it's going to really look like the actual Maple Leafs. And it's an exciting time of year because personally, I don't really like preseason. I don't really like exhibition games. Um, They don't mean anything. And once they start winding down and you start to see that roster and what it's going to actually look like, and they're on the ice, it it becomes, you know, we know we're getting close to that regular season and uh, we'll see what they can put together, but lots of positives. They've come out of the preseason, the bit that I've watched Um, guys have been stepping up. Guys have been, you know, making the making the choices difficult for the brass upstairs. So that's all you can ask this time of year. Tell you what, uh, another big night for Nick Robertson coming. Like th- this guy has eighty three opportunities, scoring chances throughout the early preseason. He finally scored on on Saturday, and it was a beauty, like a semi breakaway. But like, it's put up or shut up time at least this year to crack this roster at a camp for Nick Robertson. And again, a lot of this could be. Uh, contingent on what happens with Carly Cali Yarncroke, who's banged up, hasn't played a preseason game, but like Robertson's in the lineup, Noah Gregor, who's on a PTO is in the lineup. Like I still think Gregor has the inside track and it, it might, it might be a null of a conversation anyways, if Yarncroke can't go for the season opener, but that that's one guy specifically I'm watching on this Leafs roster once again tonight is Nikki Robertson. Yeah, for sure. He's one of those guys, right? He's, uh, he's there. He's, he's close. He's going to have to earn it. I mean, it just, you start to run out of, you start to run out of roster spots on the line. You know, you get them filled up enough. And I think his saving grace right now, something that certainly doesn't hurt is having yarn croak hurt because that could be that final straw that either, you know, pushes him out or not. And, you know, Noah Gregor's in the same boat. He's actually looking for a contract. He doesn't have a job yet. And, you know, he's looked sharp too as well. And I think it's going to come down to what, type of player do they need for that roster spot? I don't think they're they're the exact same player by any stretch. I think Nick Robertson's, you know, he's got more skill. He's more of an offensive player. Um, it's going to be tough. What are we going to pick? Which, which style of player do you want to go with? And whether that's Noah Gregor or not, it's going to be hard to see, but this is a, a big game here. Like we said, we got most of the lineup ready to rock and it'll be kind of last couple of kicks at the can here to, to prove that you're worth a roster spot. And I think that, I think that last one's going to be a tough one to be honest. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, I just want to see a bit of something. I, I think the thing I've noticed with Robertson early on is like, he's just trying to do too much. And when he has the puck, just shoot it. Like if you're a scorer and you're not scoring, then I just don't know the worth to this organization and this roster, at least right now, whereas like a Gregor, I think is way more versatile, but I tell you something like Noah Gregor 
Um, you know, he's been really, really impressive to me, the way he's conducted himself, come into camp, really earned his spot. Again, who knows what's going to happen here, but I think at the very least, he's earned a contract. If it's not with the Maple Leafs, it's somewhere else. Like, I've noticed him every preseason game. And again, we've been talking about this a lot in sort of our quickie podcast the last little while, how they need a guy with some jam, some speed uh, down the lineup. And I think this guy's way more versatile, no? Yeah, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he's he's a kind of a player where, you know, you're going to be on the PK. You're going to be in that energy line. You're going to, you know, do a little bit extra, be defensively sound. Like, is it a good thing to put, you know, Robertson on that, you know, maybe fourth line role? And he's not really that player. You're not really setting him up for success. If I think if he's going to be on the Maple Leafs, he kind of needs to be, it's not in quite in the top six, but, you know, on the, third line you just can't fill a player like him on the fourth line and say okay go be our utility guy go be our energy guy go be our fourth line checking line he's not built for that and if they go that direction and that's where he's slated to go I think the edge has got to go to to Noah Gregor because he's more that player he's proven that he's had a good preseason he can be used in different situations and he's more suited for that fourth line role than Nick Robertson and you want to talk about a scorer that's not really finding ways to score a good way to make sure you you do that is to put him in a situation he's not really made for and to put him on that fourth line and then he's not scoring at all he's not surrounded by players that can that can facilitate his skill set and all of a sudden you've just got the wrong combo going and I think he might fall victim to that this year we'll see again Yaron Croke being hurt doesn't hurt him at all but it just seems like for what you're looking out of that fourth line and what this team's been lacking that energy you know, that energy type of checking type of player. I think that's more Gregor than it is Robertson. Yeah, I agree with that, with all you just said. And like, I think regardless of what happens specifically with Robertson, he needs to play games. Like health is so important. I think confidence is huge. He's only played 82 pro games, you know, a handful in the NFL, a handful in the American Hockey League. And I don't want to say it's hindered, or like stunted his growth as a player. But I I think at the very least, he needs to go down there, dominate, be consistent, play consistently. Like there's a lot of factors, but I don't think this, this kid's lost by any stretch. Like I understand this is a pivotal time in his career, but he's still relatively young. And it seems like every year we have this conversation on Nick Robertson, but I, that's what I want to see. I want to see him go down and dominate and play, period. Yeah, and I mean, with missing that much time to injury, it doesn't help anyone. I mean... There are prospects a dime a dozen who had, you know, high hopes from the organization and ran into some injuries and their entry level contract didn't really go as planned and they just get kind of lost in the ether. I'm not saying that's happening to Nick Robertson, but when you do miss a lot of time and you are prone to injury and you're supposed to have these huge jumps in development years and you're just not getting them like to say he's only he's only played one season of hockey professionally. 82 games is that's just not enough. Right. And is that anyone's fault? No. Does that mean he's not going to be in the organization? No, it doesn't, but it's certainly not helpful and it's hard and he needs to have a big year, whether that's with the big club or down with the Marlies or split between the two. Like you said, he needs to get that confidence back. He needs to find a way to prove and force the Maple Leafs to insert this player into the lineup in a role that he's going to flourish in. And right now, I just, with how deep they are on the forward side, I think it's difficult for him right now. And he may end up going down to the Marlies. And if that is the case, he's going to need to really focus on his development, confidence, get tons of reps and just get himself as NHL ready as possible for when that time does come, if it does come. 
Do you think there has to be a specific plan with the big boys? Like that's the one noticeable thing I think in camp and it's not early anymore by any stretch, but most of them have played just one game. We've barely seen them out there. There, Does there need to be a specific plan or do you think it varies from player to player? Um, I think it's more about, you know, they know who they are. They know what they can do. They know their value. It's not really about, oh, we're going to do something special with Mitch Marner this year. It's just about getting them all on the same page, getting that identity that you need as a team early. And by getting that, you do it by gelling and having chemistry. And I think this is a good time for it. Sheldon Keefe is not scared to dick around with the lineup and mess around with different formulas to try to find that. Um, I hope they find it early. I hope they find, you know, lineups that work and are sustainable and are solid and don't change. I I don't mind mixing up the lines and changing things around to try to find it, but it seemed like you do that all year long and you never really do find it. So are you just dicking with it for the, for the sake of messing with the lineup? Like try to find something that works, try to find something that these guys can take time to really sink their teeth into and gel with. You got to have a lineup that's ready to rock. Obviously we're super early for that, but I don't want to be going into the playoffs still messing around with, Oh, is who, what's the lineups going to be this year? Who's so-and-so playing with it. You got to have some consistency for these guys. I just don't know. Like this, this whole Nylander thing has caught me off guard. Like it's funny. We come into camp and we're like, the big conversation is going to be the contract. Here we are like two weeks in, we've barely talked about the contract and it's been more about Willie Nylander randomly, you know, trying to, to, to transfer to center and change to center. And I, in the long run, I just don't know how it's going to work out. And I guess you're slotting in John Tavares as your three C and you're going to go one, two, three up the middle with Matthews, Nylander and Tavares. I don't know if you, you sit differently in this conversation, but like, that's the most intriguing storyline for me outside the obvious when it comes to the, to the contract is like Nylander and how he slots into the roster. Cause it's quite clear the depth they're trying to build at least within the top nine. Right. Yeah, and they got lots of weapons to to do it. And I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting. There's a, there's a little bit more responsibility as a centerman, uh, especially in the D zone. Uh, that'll be something that's new. And he's not exactly known to be the most hyper defensively aware player in the world. That'll be something that can that'll be different for him. Um, I but I just think that these guys are so bloody skilled. He's such a good hockey player. He has such the such a, a lot of hockey sense to understand. I don't think a player of his caliber is going to struggle with it, making that adjustment. You're going to have to watch a little video. You're going to have to be reminded of some defensive responsibilities uh, in your own zone where you got to be helping out those defensemen and you can't just hang out on that half wall or in the middle and have your guy. And that's kind of hunky dory for a winger, but there's a little bit more going on with that centerman. I think he can handle it. Um, I just, I don't mind it. If it lasts forever, I, it's tough to say. Like I said, Keith doesn't mind messing around with the lines. This could be a thing of the past here within weeks. And you remember when they tried him at center? I don't know if it's going to stick or not, but I don't mind trying it. He's a, a high enough caliber of player that he can make the adjustments necessary. And if it works, great. If not, nothing lost really at this point in the year. I'll put you on the spot. December 1st, is Willie Nylander still a center? December 1? <laughs> no, he's not. I don't think it's going to last. I agree. I I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't feel as strongly as others on Sam Lafferty. And I know it's a third line, but JT Lafferty and Matthew Nyes, again, we really haven't seen that line together. Like tonight's going to be the first look when Toronto hosts the Montreal Canadiens. And we'll see how the chemistry cooks. But I I just, the Nylander thing, I just don't see long term. I think he's a fit in the top six as a winger. You know what's really impressed me, Rosie, so far in the preseason? And again, I'm trying to find storylines and conversations to be had, but. (laughs) 
it's the kids, man. Like we had this conversation a couple weeks back where it was like Toronto's prospect capital just wasn't there compared to other teams in the league. But there's three kids that have really, really been impressive. And it starts with Nisey, like Matthew Nyes, man. Like the more and more I watch this guy, it doesn't seem like the game's too big for him. Like he comes in the in, in the in the postseason last year, he was incredible. Prospects tournament, he was pretty good. Training camp, he's been excellent. And I know these are games against D D rosters in Montreal over the weekend, but to play a back to back in La Belle Pro, um, I hope Nice sent it a bit downtown too. Like the the more I watch him, I'm like this guy could be a legitimate like superstar. I know it's a strong word, but he just brings a lot to the table for this team. Dude, he is the player that I'm the most excited about being on this yep. roster this year, he's the guy I want to watch most. If I were to go get a jersey right now, it would be a nice jersey, no question. He's like my guy right now. And I've been saying that since we interviewed him when he's still in college Twice. last year. Twice. Twice. Two interviews, both times. <laughs> just just his personality, his confidence, his uh, maturity was through the roof. He's got his head on his shoulders. He's a high-quality player. He's got the confidence to get it done in that league. And I like the way that he has stepped up and it's almost like he understands that and he's taken like a leadership role. It seems like during the prospect tournament for sure. And then throughout these preseason games, when you watch him, he just seems like, you know, he knows that he's like one of the best players on the ice. I mean, it's not, he's still a rookie and they don't, they're it's still exhibition. They're not, they don't have their big boys in there. I get it. But because they're not there, he has not just been, you know, under the radar he stepped up and said all right i'm the big boy now and he just has this confidence that i love i think he's a very solid player i love the way he gets down low he's unreal off the walls unreal in the corners he can score he can make plays and i think that he's going to have a big year and a lot of people are going to know who he is by the end of this season and i just love how he's a toronto maple leaf the biggest difference i've noticed in a small period of time from when we saw him last year gets a concussion his season's done to the preseason here is like his stick lifting and the way he plays without the puck and it reminds me of another guy he skated with austin matthews man like he just has like the deceiving size and like the speed and the skill to go with that and i think that's a a pretty impressive combo to have in this day and age of modern day nhl hockey and and I'm right there with you. Like, I'm so excited to see what he can bring to the table in an 82-game slate. Health is going to be a big topic with every player in the NHL, clearly. But I, I just think the fascination is there more so because what he did in the springtime. But he's carried that over. And again, it's just the preseason. But I think he's like a, a perfect fit to what they're looking to build on this roster and the future, no? Yeah, and I just, he's a, he doesn't seem like a guy where the moment's getting too big for him. Like, yeah. I don't know. You like compare him to Nick Robertson and you think, you know, who's feeling the pressure a little bit more, who's going to crumble, who's going to step up. And Robertson's had trouble taking that step and saying, boom, I'm here. I'm a no doubter. He's really just not been able to do that yet. And Nisey from, from minute one, he's been put in difficult positions. You know, there was a lot of talk about him last year. He gets thrown right into the Stanley cup playoffs and just, brings his game every time, stands out every time, does not seem to feel like the moment's too big for him or anything like that. And if he can continue doing that down the stretch into in big moments and big games and big plays, I feel like he can just be a, a huge asset to this roster. I don't want to build him up too much and yeah. say this or that, but I mean, you use the word superstar and there is potential for that with this player. I, like you said, down low, those big wide legs, he's like a power forward who can absolutely 
put the puck in the net, make plays, get the job done that way. It's just like a wicked blend of exactly what this team needs. And I think he kind of, I think he rounds out that forward list really well. And I don't think he's going to have any trouble finding people to play with. Like, does he get cracks with some of the big boys? I don't even think it matters to him. I think he's what drives a line a lot of the times with the way he, he handles himself out there. And I just think he can fit anywhere. And again, don't want to pump him up too much, but fuck man, I'm just really impressed with him. And I think he's got an insanely bright future barring knock on wood, like you said, any injuries. I just want to take advantage of his, I guess, early days, right? Where he's not making too much, especially in the salary cap world. And again, we expect the, uh, the cap to go up big time next summer. And, you know, Matthews is a new contract trying to re-sign Nylander. Marner's going to have that conversation. Like there's a lot of moving pieces to this roster. And I think any good team in the NHL, you need some of your rooks to take that step earlier than anticipated to extract the most value cap wise. Right. And I think a Matthew Nye is a prime example of that with the Leafs. Some other younger guys that really, really stepped up so far here in the preseason that I've really, really noticed like Easton Cowan, right? We had this conversation around the draft in Nashville. A lot of people felt in the scouting community, maybe the Leafs jumped a bit a tad early on Easton Cowan. Dude, this guy's one been one of their better players for a guy who many said shouldn't have gone in the first round. He's been noticeable every game. He's done something different. He's produced. And at the very least, he set himself up nicely for a really, really strong year in the Ontario Hockey League. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer budget-friendly flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment the plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals so for whatever tomorrow brings united healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you learn more at uh1.com yeah big time i mean it doesn't seem like long ago you know people are bitching and complaining about like we have no prospects we have no one coming down the pipeline and then you look around at you know some of these guys like cowan and nice for sure and if robertson all of a sudden it's looking looking not too bad you know and i mean the draft is the draft you just don't know what these kids some of these kids are 17 years old and you're 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 picking them based on you know a lot of secondhand things from scouting and you try to do as much research as you can but you don't know who's going to pan out and who's not and you know sometimes guys are really high picks and they're complete busts sometimes people think oh why they take that player and and they become like uh you know a franchise type player with that organization and it's too early to say any of that kind of thing but when you pick a guy regardless of what people say when he comes up and he shows quality hockey at opportune times like just getting drafted and being in Toronto and being in the the camp and playing in exhibition games and standing out as a guy. It's just, it's just positive signs, right? It's uh it's a good hope for him down the road. And like you said, go and have a quality hockey season this year in the Ontario hockey league. And who knows when he's going to be ready, but it's just nice to see that people are coming down the pipeline and we've got some potential good players down the, uh, down the depth chart. 
Just looking here on YouTube at the Leafs Nation 401 once again, where you can chime in via the chat. Uh, Kale writes in, are the lines they showed here official for tonight? Uh, as far as we know, and that's Mark Masters tweeting out the lines from TSN. That's what we're looking at for this game tonight. Pretty much the official roster. Many thanks to producer Aaron for putting that back on the screen for you guys to uh, have a look at. Uh, our apologies if you're just listening in podcast form. But to me, it just seems like, you know, Yarn Croak's not in. Uh, Giordano's not in like pretty much the roster we're going to see on opening night. If you expect Noah Gregor to crack this, uh, this team. So like it's exciting from that standpoint, certainly Fraser Minton's another guy. I know uh, some of the prospects guys over at the leafsnation.com. I've been doing some great work and Fraser Minton's a, a you know, guy that's been talked about quite a bit. That Minton nice combo. Like it really excites me for the future. Like you're seeing a goal right now on your screen right now. It just excites me for the future, knowing that next wave is coming. And, I love internal competition, dude. We talked about this last year. I love when guys push other guys along. I just think it's healthy. It is, man. And I mean, if that's what you need to get going, I like internal chemistry, man. When guys are just clicking and and finding each other. And every time you look, it's like, oh, that was them again. And to find that is just huge. And teams that win the Stanley Cup, they have that. They have that in spades. It's not easy to find and you can't really force it and if you don't have it there's not a whole lot you can do you just got to kind of hope for it guys are clicking and you can't even explain why but they just are and to to see that out there with prospects with highline guys with down the roster a little bit guys doesn't matter who it is when guys are clicking it's nice to see this is the time of year you want to do that and i mean the competition to me is going to make it difficult on the brass on who you're taking and who you're letting go because when everyone's kind of clicking and people are looking good it makes the the decision difficult and you're going to have to put a guy down that that maybe doesn't really deserve it but you're just going to run out of spots and you know that's all you can hope when you're a fan of a team is that there's lots of guys you know giving her hell out there and, and wanting to make that squad and make it tough on the brass make it difficult have multiple people that are worthy of wearing that jersey this year and you know that's a good problem to have yeah, don't forget about waivers, too. Like, that plays a bit of an impact, right? I think it's some other guys on the roster. Duke writes in, the young guys need to hop in the gym looking younger and smaller by the year. Is something in the water? Jay, I'll let you handle that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. These kids these days, all they do is live in the gym and eat, breathe, and sleep hockey. So, I don't know. They're, they're, it, the league's getting younger. I mean, when you look at, like, go to the 90s or something, when you look at a bench, it just looked like, grizzly styled men you know <laughs> and now you look and there's just so many little red rosy cheeks and baby faces yeah. and i don't know what that means i i don't think anyone is going to get to that level this day and age without being in the gym without being fit and strong those guys do all the training bs in the summer and i can't think that anyone on that team is uh you know a little scrawn who's not in shape but yeah, I can. I understand where he's coming from. It looks like boys out there a lot of the time compared to some of the old men that used to play this game. I don't know what that is. I guess it's just a high skill, high octane game that uh, a lot of these kids are stepping into. Man, there was that infamous uh, off season video. I think it was Regina Pat's training camp where there was legit a kid in camp who was 14 who yeah. he looked like he was like eight years old, but he was a hockey player. <laughs> I think he made the team, honestly. Yeah, I remember that. He's the, I think he's a studly little demon, isn't he? I don't know. The kids are getting younger. The game's getting younger. I mean, it's less about being a brute. And, you know, there's not a lot of clutch and grabbing and holding. There's not a lot of scrapping and hitting and fighting. And you don't have to be that six foot four, 230 guy anymore to compete in the league. And uh, I think with that comes a lot of high skill. A lot of high skill players these days are getting younger and younger. They're, 
you know, look at some of the, I don't know, the Michigan and the way these guys are doing things with these new sticks and lots of different fancy stuff. Like 40 year old men aren't really doing that. It's, it's the young kids doing all that stuff. And as a byproduct of that, the league's getting younger and younger. And yeah, sometimes maybe I'm just getting older, but I look at the bench and go, holy smokes, this is the show. These, these kids look like babies right now, but uh, what are you going to do? Dude, it's pretty crazy. Like I, I'm just 34. You're around that age too. Like I find myself telling those like back in my day stories, man. It's scary. We're we're getting there, eh? Like it's you know, like yeah. our parents, like I'm my parents always say, like back in my day, I'd go to school in a snowstorm, walking backwards, like that story. But now I'm telling people early on in the industry who I bump into, like 23, 24, like back in my day of broadcasting, like I'm telling those stories and it scares me. But you're right. Yeah. And I don't want to become that crotchety old man where everything's bad and everything's bullshit. And oh, well, this is how we did it. Every generation thinks that, you know, they're smarter than the one coming up and they don't understand the younger generation. That's all fine and dandy. But, you know, this is what it is. I don't want to bitch too much about the way hockey's played these days, about what the Maple Leafs look like. There's stuff I could get into a little bit that bothers me about the game right now. But at the end of the day, you got to keep things in perspective. The the league's never going to be the same as it was. Things are always changing and you got to keep up with the times or you're, you're probably going to end up being a crotchety old bastard. Like maybe I'm headed there. Yeah, potentially. You know, it's crusty Donnie. Um, he revealed his age in the chat, by the way. He's 51. I, I thought Donnie was going to be like some 16-year-old troll in his mother's basement. I guess I'm wrong. 51 Donnie. Nah, I, I pegged him about that. Yeah? You knew, eh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fascinating question from Mario Kart. Great handle, by the way. He says, Jones greater than Wall. And I don't know, man. This drives me nuts. I know Martin Jones has been pretty decent in camp. Like we've had this conversation too throughout the offseason. They 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 signed Martin Jones for insurance purposes, thinking, hey, if he can get to the AHL, he can be a good third string guy for us. But people are going nuts over this conversation to be had in the next week that presumably we'll have Martin Jones going on waivers. You would think somebody's gonna pick him up. It makes a lot of sense that he does not get through waivers. And people suggesting it should be Joseph Wall that go on waivers, I think is ludicrous to me. Martin Jones is like an 8, 896 save percentage every season. Like he's a he's a borderline NHL goalie at this point in his career. Let's pump the brakes a bit, Rosie. Yeah, I never really saw that to be part of the conversation. I mean, Wall is our he's like our up and comer. He's our guy that, you know, he bailed us out a bit last year. He he's another guy that looks poised and confident and can just not let the moment be too big for him. I think he can handle the this market and, and what it takes to be in that position on this team. Um, I think he's an up-and-comer. I don't think you're going to take him and put him a big step back. I think that would be a big story if you put him in the minors. I think it's, you know, Sammy and him. It's the one-two. We've been talking about that all summer. I don't think... I don't think there's any any worry of that happening. I, I put Jones on waivers. How Peace often do guys get picked up, man? I'm sure some guys would like to have them, but I mean, if you do it strategically, when you put them on waivers, when everyone's trying to like thin out their roster and finalize some things, even if a team would want him or could use him, it doesn't mean they're going to pick him up on waivers. You got to make space for that. There's cap implications. You got a certain amount of roster spots, blah, blah, blah. I think you could sneak him through on, uh, on waivers and get him down to the Marlies. And there you go. There's your emergency guy. If case anything happens up here at the Leafs. It feels like every leaf that goes on waivers, who's like a substantial name gets claimed. That's why I say that. Mm -hmm. And I think you look at Tampa specifically, Vasilevsky goes down and just, it sounds like a perfect marriage and hopefully fingers crossed when Jones does go on waivers, he gets through. So they can provide a bit of insurance. Cause the one thing we've realized with this team, I think it was like 
11 or 12 different goalies since 2017 that the Leafs have utilized, including uh, a Zamboni driver. I was I was there for that game against Carolina. It still hurts. A lot of age conversation in the chat right now. <laughs> Everybody revealing their age. Um, love the fan support. Now we're talking astrology. Donnie says, I'm Aquarius. Somebody called him a Capricorn. He got offended. Jesus, Donnie, they're breaking it down hard in the chat. There. <laughs> it's the first show of the season. People are going uh, off the rails already. I like it. I like it. Well, people are excited. We're ready to rock here. We are. We are. Um, the other conversation I wanted to have um, regarding injuries, right? And this happens all the time. You played in this league. Guys get dinged up. Yarn Croaks get to play a game. Connor Timmons, man, like was having such a good training camp. The four-point outing, Craft Hockeyville. And now it sounds like he's going to miss some time. And I, I can't stand this with this day and age. They don't tell you anything. This dates back to that. I think Pat Quinn actually was the initiator of all this, like lower body, upper body BS. But he's going to miss some time as Timmons, LBI. John Klingberg has an upper body injury day to day. We think this is where the injury took place in Montreal. One of the 18 games they played Montreal here in the preseason. It's so unfortunate because Timmons was on track to potentially have a, a fighting chance of being that six guy, right? It's going to be Lilligren, but like Timmons was having a good preseason here. I know. And it just sucks when injuries happen. I mean, you make plans and you have projections for what's going to happen and you know, there's enough going on and then it just blows the doors right off of your whole plans. When guys go down and get hurt, I think Klingberg's hurt right now too. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that we've talked about trying to get his feet under him, get back to his old ways that he's, you know, three, four years ago is when he's having big seasons, putting up big numbers. We want his confidence to go high. We want him to develop and feel comfortable. Bang, he gets hurt. And now, you know, you take a step back, but it's part of the game. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no way to predict it and there's no way to prevent it. You just got to roll with the punches. But, you know, the only thing I can say is having enough depth to support the lineup still when guys do go down because it's going to happen to every team every single year you're going to have some form of injury and you need to have guys to fill in and you need to find ways to keep chipping through the points and and getting points on the board when you don't have your full roster and it's just inevitable it's going to happen so there's nothing you can do about it but it is frustrating no doubt when you have guys like like this like Timmons who's trying to crack this lineup Klingberg he's trying to like regain some form yeah. And you no know, injuries happen. Then it's like, well, fuck. Now we just got to wait and see what happens. Then when he comes back, he's going to be a little rusty. Is his confidence hurt? Is the injury still bugging him? It's just brutal all over. But all you can do is hope that it's not major injuries and it's just kind of nursing things. I know at the beginning of the season, guys' bodies aren't used to banging and crashing. There's always guys that go down in the preseason. But hopefully it's you know more maintenance stuff than anything and just trying to heal up day-to-day injuries and not anything serious. But again, they don't tell us. So how are you supposed to know? Yeah, we'll never know. But like, that's the crap thing about Klingberg is like he's supposed to run the first power play, you know, but he's barely got a chance to to rip it with these guys, right? And we're running out of racetrack here in the preseason. And I get it's a Maple Leafs power play. It's been one of the top power plays in the league for X amount of years. But I would like to get him some reps. Uh, I know John Klingberg has ran a power play once or twice in his career, but this is a different animal here in Toronto, especially the, you know, the scrutiny that comes with the position and being a Toronto Maple Leaf, especially on the blue line, especially in that position, especially knowing who's behind him in a Morgan Riley. And I, I, confidence is so big with John Klingberg. And just I think this is the worst start imaginable to get hurt this quickly and not really get your feet under you. Yeah, I know. And, you know, like you said, they haven't had a lot of reps. They play a ton of games, but not everyone's playing in it. And with a 
PP unit and being the quarterback of it and having guys out there like Austin Matthews and, and Marner and well, the top four, really, I mean, those guys are, are guys that you want to get clicking with. It would be easy to get your confidence going when, you know, you're feeding those guys and everyone's putting up points. Everyone's feeling happy on that peeper. If you don't even really get a look at it, that's difficult. And then it's difficult to not play and then come off an injury. And then you get thrown right in there and you haven't been able to practice with these guys. You don't know what they're, their tendencies are out there. It just makes it a little bit more difficult. But again, you're a professional. This is what's part of the game. And you got to find a way to overcome it because no one's going to be, you know, feeling sorry for you. If it doesn't work out, you got to get it done and figure out a way to do it. So John Klingberg, it's up to him to, you know, first heal up and then get out there and get things done, do what he's paid for and and shine out there. And hopefully that's exactly what happens. But again, we won't know what the severity of the injury probably anytime soon, I would guess, unless there's some kind of a release, but they sure like to keep it under their hats. They do. Uh, J-Dub writes in, when is Rosie coming out with his own beer? Is that a possibility, Rosie? <laughs> oh, I don't know if we're at that point yet. Uh, we'll see, man. Some guy used to make beer in Philly, and he'd uh, put, like, a label on it. So he made me, like, a, I think it was just a lager, but it has, like, this fighting picture, and it said Broad Street Bully Ale or something like that, and it was uh, kind of cool. But uh, we'll see. I don't, know what's, I don't know what goes into that. It sounds a little bit, uh, a little bit crazy to go and get into that already. Dr. Firewater, Rosie Nation, Blueberry Radler. That sounds like you, J-Dub. I like this name. Core 4 Pale Ale. That's your favorite topic point, right? Talking about the Core, core 4 Pale Ale. Well, I don't want to start putting that in the works, and then uh, we'll see what happens with this Core 4. Might be the <laughs> Core 3 plus something else we picked up. We'll see, man. Time will tell. Ooh, I think it could be a Core 5 with Matthew Nyes involved in that conversation. But nonetheless, Rosie, the Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Speaking of which, coming up on Saturday, October 7th, Rosie, in a couple of days from now, our friends over at Botano will be hosting a live hockey trivia show filled with tons of great prizes and giveaways. More info on that coming up throughout the week. Are you good with like hockey trivia? It, it, it reminds me a lot of like, so I went to Fanshawe College in London back in the day. I've told you this before. Great party city. I was actually there when John Tavares was on the Knights, when Kadri was on the Knights, John Carlson, like they had a sick team. And I remember the first year of broadcast school, there was like a digital, and this is so ironic, there was a digital hockey show that the first years put together and we had to try out for it. Like the second years tried us out. And hockey trivia was how you got in the show. I didn't get on the show because my hockey trivia stinks and well, look how my career worked out. But were you good? Are you good at hockey trivia? Um, probably pretty average, man. If you're trying to do stats and numbers, I'm not a big crunch the stats guy. So I wouldn't yeah. get that kind of thing. I'm good at like, trivia in itself like i don't know pop culture stuff or something i guess but yeah. if you're strictly hockey and you're going back a ways lots of times i got it on the tip of my tongue and i just can't say it that kind of thing so i think i'd be pretty average at it to be honest yeah me too like my expertise believe it or not is like what played what way does a player shoot or like what number they wear what teams they played for as opposed to like who scored 40 goals how many times in their career i've never been like the hockey historian i have so much respect for people who reminisce and recall and remember all that stuff it's crazy to me some guys are weird, man. Like you're talking about, you know, someone that you played against back in junior. And I have tons of friends that are like, you, you know him. He was, uh, he was number 26 and he's a right-handed shot. And I'm like, what the fuck? You're talking that about guy. 20 years ago and like what way they shoot. Some guys are really hard on that where they just never forget a guy. They can just picture him. I am not that guy. I'm trying to remember like what way my best buddy shoots because they get them kind of mixed up so i'm definitely not that guy but i don't know a little hockey trivia maybe we should try it on here sometime 
Yeah, we could try for sure. And uh, don't forget again, Batano live hockey trivia coming up on uh, on Saturday. So stay tuned for details on that for great prizes and giveaways. Rosie, let's get to our uh, our first Batano play of the year. You're on the clock, and we're looking at Monday Night Football, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we got Seattle. Or no, who the heck do we got? Yeah, Seattle. On uh, they got to travel over to <laughs> New start, York. Rosie. <laughs> Just what did I write down here? Yeah, they're favored right now, considering they're on the road. That's kind of rare. But they got to go over to New York, play them. I, they're only favored by one and a half points. I think their offense is just better. I think the Giants, by the looks of things, has a little bit more of a struggling defense. So I think they're going to smack them and they can win by, you know, a field goal at least, maybe more. But, you know, they got uh, 1.5 points they got to cover. And I think they do it tonight. So I'm taking Seattle. All right. So, and and if you're just new to this show, that's we'll have a play for you every show uh, during the year. And uh, pretty simple. If Rosie gets it right, he continues on. If he doesn't, it's back to me and we'll go back and forth. And we were pretty successful. I think we won people some money last year. Yeah, I don't think we were too bad. Uh, there were point yeah. when we started the year off, I think we were, we were both pretty cold. Were we hot or cold? I remember some streaks that were not good, but I cleaned yeah. it up for sure. The football stuff, it's tough, man. I mean, Gambling on sports has gotten so big in the last couple of years. It's absolutely nuts. And, you know, Vegas does not sleep. It doesn't take a day off. They've got their lines and it's hard to sneak one by them. But uh, you got a good feeling about something. It never hurts to throw a couple bucks down and make the game a little bit more interesting. So hopefully we can do that and make the folks at home a couple extra bucks. Mario Kart writes in, ask Rosie if he remembers how many PIMs he had in the 14-15 season with the Phantoms. I would say $2 billion. Does that sound about right? Uh, I don't know what I had. I think 275 was the most I've had in a season the year. I was fighting like a maniac for some reason, but uh, I don't know. Two two something. I don't know. I got up there. I don't think the Pims, uh, when you look at guys, I always laugh because they're talking about some player and and they're like, oh, he's a hard-nosed player, blah, blah. And you go look him up on DB and he has like 42 Pims that year. It's like, how hard-nosed could he be? Like, you got to get into it a little bit, but... uh, Again, the games change. You don't play it that way anymore. And, um, you know, that's fine with me. It is what it is. But, yeah, I used to put up a few PIMs back in the day. Sometimes sometimes I wasn't the proudest of my antics out there when you're really losing it. But, hey, that's hockey, baby. I I went through a rabbit hole on YouTube last week, and you did something in, in England, I think it was. We're going to get to that at some point in time on this show. You, the wrapping over there was something else it was like a different planet man i got so frustrated yeah yeah that's kind of the stuff i'm talking about when i say there's a few times there i might have needed to take a breath but yeah we're gonna get to that we have a long long season season number two at least want to take before we wrap uh some injury uh notes and news from practice i guess uh the morning skate so first and foremost and this is from sheldon keith connor timmons has suffered a significant lower body injury he's week to week per keith uh, what does that mean week to week? Like I can envision this being uh, two months. <laughs> to me, my best guess would be a knee. You know, you tear an MCL kind of thing, something that doesn't need surgery, but you're off of it. If he, he says significant lower body injury, it tells me yeah, that something tore, something broke. It's not yeah. a good thing to hear. It's not ideal. And I think week to week kind of means take it a week at a time. How are you feeling today? This is the part of the phase where you should be healing up. Now this is the part of phase where we're starting to get some mobility back. This is the week of the phase where we're doing some strengthening and whatnot. And it takes a long time to get over that stuff. If it's a knee or something like that, that's just a terrible way to start a season, man. I mean, I remember I tore my knee in the, in the summer one time and coming into camp and coming into the season, you, you just hadn't been doing anything that you would normally do. You're behind the eight ball and you're not, 
in form. You don't get to hit that peak and hit the ground running when when you get to the season. It's it's brutal to get hurt like that early in the season. And just from what they said right there, it tells me that it's probably something like a, a tear, a break of something. And that to me means, you know, six weeks minimum. Yeah, depth's being tested uh, early on for sure. Simon Benoit might have to play a couple games early on. John Klingberg, by the way, upper body injury. We knew this still said to be minor, but it's now been five days off the ice for him. So, uh, yeah, I, again, it's too early to be uh, one way or another, have a feel on on these situations. But I don't like the wording on Timmins. I really don't like the wording on Klingberg, but they're not really giving us much. Um, we had a question in the chat. Uh, any ex-Leaf guests coming up this season? Yes, we're going to try our best to have some great guests, just like last year. Going to bring it pr- production-wise as as well. We have, uh, we're happy to say, Chris Pronger is coming on tomorrow. He's releasing a new whiskey, so we're going to promote that and and get Prongs' thoughts on this Leafs team. Yeah, man, we've been uh, we've had a solid run of guests, and I mean, we're not scared to repeat a couple when things are happening out there, and certain people are in the know. We get them on and and run through them. But yeah, some good some good Leafs alumni would be nice to get on current and yeah. former players if we can. Um, we'll run it through the ringer again and see what we can get. Extract as much info out of these people as we can. But yeah, excited for prongs tomorrow for sure. He's uh he's big fella, that's for sure. I remember him when I was playing in Philly. He was retired, not quite retired, but he was. I think he was on the payroll, but he wasn't playing anymore. He had that injury. So we'd see him around once in a while. And he's, you know, he's pretty legendary dude. He had quite the career and I'd be interested to pick his brain tomorrow. Hey, Rosie, we got an answer, by the way, on that PIM question from 1415. Can you take a wild guess? Mm, I don't know. Two, two fifteen. Two nineteen. You're probably uh, winning hockey TV right now. <laughs> two nineteen. That's all right. It's a good season. Couple dude, five. I was laughing the other day. Um, they mentioned a funny statistic about Sean Monahan's played like 11 seasons in the NHL. He's never had more than 25 PIMs in a season. What's your reaction to that, Jay Rosa? You could probably be playing a little bit harder. Like you should be able to get 20 by accident out there. If you're going <laughs> hard and battling in the corner and trying to get the puck away from your opponents, but some guys just like to hang out in the soft spots and not really touch anybody. <laughs> He's had a decent yeah. enough. Who am I chirping? This is great from uh, Arthur Souza. Did you live in the Muse while at Fanshawe? Arthur, I did. The College Muse at Fanshawe. It's been a long time. You wouldn't know what that is, Rosie, but it's a legendary spot. They call it Funshaw College for a reason, but it's crazy how quickly time flies. So that's it for today's show. Last but not least, uh, Matt Lil 2000. Great show. Greetings from Finland. So we, we, got a, we got a fan base across the planet at this point in time, Rosie. It's crazy. I like Only that. One year, but, pardon me? I love that. Finland, yeah. beautiful, man. Hey, anyone can tune in. And I mean, that's the thing with the Leafs. They've got fans across the bloody world. You can go over to Europe and see people with Maple Leafs hats on. They just have that appeal and, and that range. And I guess this show does too. That's good to see. Lots of range, lots of versatility, like our guy Noah Gregor, who we had on a couple of weeks ago. So make sure you go back, check out our interviews from the offseason. We interviewed Matthew Nyes again, so twice now for him. Joseph Wall, Wayne Gretzky popped by. So who knows who's going to pop by on this show. But that's it. That's all for the opener here, Rosie. Great job today, buddy. I like it. Knocking the rust off. Good to be back at her. We're looking forward to a good season, man. Nothing but good things ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Once again, at the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe on YouTube. Just search Leafs Morning Take wherever you get your podcasts as well. will pop up. Many thanks to producer Aaron Bordado. For Jay Rosehill, I'm Nick Alberga, and we'll talk tomorrow. Take care. Thank you for watching Leafs Morning Take. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. 
And for more, visit theleafsnation.com.